0: yo what's up guys yo welcome back to the sprite university podcast and for anyone that's coming from thomas's channel dude we are so excited for this one this is one that's been a long time in the making uh we'll get into a little more why uh when, as we continue with this podcast but uh it's gonna be about sober dating and it's something that you know i it's my two favorite things dating and then being sober so to be able to talk about them together i'm really excited for it and so i'm excited to as well to introduce thomas to the channel welcome my friend, thank you for coming on. You,
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: You're welcome. And for the people that don't know you, can you you know tell a little bit about yourself and why you decided to agree to this podcast, which most people would probably be like, eh, I'll pass Yeah, I'll fast. Yeah.
1: So um, for those who know, my name is Thomas Edwards. Um founder of the Professional Wingman. You know, for nearly 15 years, we've helped people develop better social skills to help them find long-term love. You know, we go out with them, we see what's happening in real time and we give them real time feedback. Um, You know, since then we've been responsible for, you know, just about 400 marriages, plenty of engagements, over a thousand relationships. Um, And yeah, I mean, most of the guys, and I mean, I worked with women too. I'd say it's about 70% men, 30% women over the life over the 15 years. But yeah it's been um it's been quite the experience man and uh you know me personally i've I've been able to to create a lot of success in my life especially at an early age um went through a really difficult time of of not knowing where to go from that success found myself lost Mm -hmm. um getting into fatherhood and um you know going really deep into my addiction and fortunately um i was able to have my own spiritual awakening and i've been sober for uh today's what the 14th so four four years 10 months officially today you know yeah my, my life couldn't have been better it's beyond my wildest dreams um and in that process i've learned a lot not just about myself but also how to socialize the right way to socialize especially if you're you know you're, you're sober. Um, even when I was out drinking, I worked with a lot of clients who did not drink or prefer to drink. Um, I was even sharing this with, with you, Joel. How um, in my in my coaching agreement, I had a limit of how much you could drink because I thought that was really important for the development of my clients to be able to go out in different environments and not need to not depend on external lubrication <laughs> to, <the, laughs> to develop the actual courage and inner strength to go ahead and, and make those connections happen. So, um, you know, when we talked about it and you told me about Sobriety University. I got super pumped just because, you know, obviously I care about people um, living better lives if they if sobriety is the is the way for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we brought, brought together dating. And yeah, it just yeah. it's the perfect combination, honestly.
0: So uh, that's so funny. And guys, lubrication is okay. Post, yes. post date. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> right. uh, so why do you think that having that, you know, sub- sober mindset around dating and with the people you coach, why in particular is that so important? And do you really push them to only have a couple drinks?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's so ironic, right? Because I was, Drinking heavily back then. Right. So, so for me, <laughs> that double standard and say you can't. Right. But I can was hilarious. Right. But my <laughs> the intention behind it was if you drink beyond a certain level, you're not going to remember any of this. Right. Like you might have some awareness of what happened. Like you're not going to straight up black out, Right. But those subtleties. Those, those, mm. You lose awareness of what's happening in your body. You're, you're, you lose awareness of how your mind processes scenarios as they unfold in real time. You start to lose sense of your, your, your senses, right? Like what you hear is different. What you see is different. What you feel, all those things. And, and they're all key parts of being able to understand how to create connections with people, not just in a nighttime environment, but in any environment. So mm-hmm. that to me was super important. And um it also helped with their willingness to take suggestion, you know. So I noticed okay the more people drank, the less <laughs> they were to take advice and feedback from me too. So
0: <laughs> who's this joker I'm with, dude? I'm the freaking man,
1: right? I got this. I know, right? Yeah, that, but, but, but they're paying me, right? So like who is this I guy? Know. Who's this guy that I'm paying yeah. for for advice? Not me, you know. <laughs>
0: I'm really curious and and I ask this because, you know, as a kid, I would say I didn't have the best social, um, I would say, you know, role in terms of like being social. My parents were very introverted. So I didn't yeah. see like what it's like to be really outgoing and very like, you know, life of the party kind of vibe. So with a lot of the clients that have come to you, are they people like, have you d- dove into their past at all? And do you find like there's a pattern of people that you see? With their upbringing, their childhood, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of the clients, including me, man. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, for me personally, like my parents, I wouldn't say my dad's extroverted. I think he becomes extroverted when he when he when he used to drink. Um, okay. And my mom yeah. was always introverted, always, always, okay. always, yeah. forever. She just that's just who she is. Um. So. And my sister was more extroverted, you know. She growing up, so she, I wanted to be more like her and my dad because they just knew that, like they just they just looked like they had more fun, they had more friends, they had more of a social life. Yeah. I wasn't that guy because I was kind of deemed the the nerd of the family, you know. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I had to figure that out, right? But a lot of clients that I would work with would lean on the side of being introverted. They would lean on the side of being actually pretty excellent in their professional craft, whatever that is, whether it's you mm-hmm. know, programming, engineering, um, you know, design, art, whatever, whatever it was. Um, but they also lacked the social experience, right? Like they, they didn't really focus much on their social life in high school. They tried and failed and or probably hesitated to do that in college. Then as a young mm-hmm. professional, they focused on their career, which is not necessarily a bad thing, right? But the cost of that is, you're not developing the muscles and the skill set socially, right? So, yes. Then, when you get to a place where you feel like you have the money, you kind of have yourself together, you're you're weak, right? It's like it's like trying to go to the gym <laughs> and you haven't gone <laughs> in ten years, and you're trying to like yeah bench twice your weight, right? Like that's just not going to happen. Right. So um, At that moment, that's when they call me because not only do they have the ability to 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 afford me, but they also need to accelerate Mm. and catch up, so to speak. Right. So, yes. Yeah. And I know that
0: program. Yep. And I was one of those people, man. I spent my whole twenties just trying to make money and work on business and school. And I'm like, I I don't have time for this. And when I started, I really did feel like an infant. I was like, wow, (laughs) I feel like a two year old every time I go. No, I don't even feel like a two year old because two year olds, the girls are like, Oh, he's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) They're <laughs> just like, yeah, right. oh, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, God damn it. But it it's, tough, a, it's a process. It's yeah. a process. Yeah. And I think your
1: upbringing yeah. does play a lot because there's a lot of programming, you know, for better or for worse, that's given to you that shapes how you show up in your adult world. Right. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I come from a Caribbean background. Right. And so, tr- you know, traditionally, what they'll say is like, Don't worry about people, don't worry about making friends or anything like that. Like focus on Mm. academics, get a job, get a house, and then you can worry about all the other stuff, right? And and that's Mm. traditionally, right? And like, you know, um, non-American cultures, right? Yeah. That's kind of the program, right? Um, Mm. Inside of that is also the program of don't talk to strangers. And coming from a federal country, like, you know, there was a lot of weight pressed on, like not talking to strangers, right? And okay, you and usually that's a hard. That's, I mean, when you hear that, right? Like it makes sense. Like you don't want your kid or me and as a kid, like talking to strangers, right? Because there is a level mm-hmm. of, of safety that needs to be concerned. The problem was why they would tell you not to talk about strangers. Like I got like the, okay. you know, the Michael Myers story right. <laughs> of what would happen right. if like, to a stranger, right? So, right. Um, that was a program that stayed with me all the way through high school, all the way through college. And in my first couple of years, post post-grad. And so I'd go into bars and my immediate story, that program was don't talk to strangers. So yeah. there's a lot of guys too, who don't even realize that they carry that programming. And that's part of why they have so much social anxiety.
0: Sure, sure. Oh, that's huge, man. And we're going to dive in today on some ways that if you're out there and you're watching this, that you can choose the right dating approach for you depending on that personal style and, and your upbringing uh for myself it was i was adopted so i learned that stranger i have to trust strangers immediately um, mm. to survive so yeah. it actually benefited for, for my uh for what i do which is a cold approach um because yeah. it's like hey you know it's just a stranger but my issue has come from then getting too attached to somebody i don't know so that's kind of been the journey for yeah. me and realizing like Wow. I like today I was thinking about it. We, we call it one itis where you get, you meet someone and you just fall head, head over heels for them and you have no idea who they are or, or anything like that. And I was like, I've been kind of like thinking about this one gal and I'm like, I've literally like spent 10 minutes with her <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like Wasting all this mental energy. It's like, yeah. this is insane. So, so that was the yeah, way. Cool. already moved in. You know, she's
1: like, she has the cat, you know, hanging out on the couch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bro, bro, two cats, you know how it goes. Yeah. Just <laughs> meant to be. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So yeah. I think a really important part of dating is learning how to work through those unconscious programmings. And that's what Thomas and I are here to do on the side. Besides this podcast is we both yeah. do coaching and we can help you um, figure that out for yourself because yeah, it's, it's frustrating when you do the same. In recovery, you say it's insane when you do the same thing over and over and expect different results. Yeah. But there's some grace with that when you don't know what you're doing. That's insane mm-hmm. and like why you're doing it. So finding somebody to help you identify that insanity, I think is really important. It's given me a lot of freedom and, and you helped me with this the other day. And um, yeah. it's just a beautiful journey. So uh, going forward here, what... How did you get into dating? Like, what was your, you know, what was that journey like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, now we're going back like almost 16 years, right? So um, I had just got out of college. I was in the hospitality industry. I was working in hotels and I was working in the front of the house. And so I got to really connect with guests of the hotel. Sometimes I work at restaurants. I did that. I was was a valet and then I got promoted to valet manager. um, I got to connect with a lot of people. And particularly, I got to work at places like the Taj Hotel. I got to work at the Ritz Carlton. Um, I did some volume stuff at the Sheridan. And during those times, I got to meet some really cool people. I met athletes, celebrities. Um, and I just got to connect with them like they were normal people. right? Mm-hmm. And it helped me become much more comfortable around people of influence. And I thought to myself, like, what do they do that you know, besides their accomplishments, right? How are they behaving? How are they showing up as everyday people, right? Uh, but you don't really get to yeah. see that, right? No. Like Manny Ramirez, you know, one of the best baseball players of our of of, of that time, he was living in the penthouse at the at the Ritz-Carlton for for a while, and I got a chance to spend you know some time with him and, and meet his family, and, and that was really cool to see. A guy who had Boku Bucks, who was living a baller life, right? How yep. he, he really expressed a lot of humility and normalcy, mm-hmm. right? When a lot wow. of people thought he was crazy, right? <laughs> or or yes. most of them, right? You just think they're kind of essential. Yeah. You know? And so yep. I, devel- I developed a, just a curiosity around what they were doing. And then in my personal life, when I had left college, I'd come off a pretty bad breakup. And, and I was the one that, co- that caused it because... OK, I wasn't um, and I didn't learned this yet. This was that was one of my biggest lessons. That I learned that I stopped doing what I did to attract her in the first place. And so when she dumped me, it was because of that, you know, OK. Um, and so on my journey of figuring out how do I maintain that, you know, that the person that I wanted to be, mm-hmm. or at least who I thought I needed to be, that, those two things came together and I was like, wait, man, like what if I built a life like a celebrity, right? Like what would that yeah. look like, right? And it was all about like how I dressed, confidence, who I talked to, where I showed up, who I was connected with, what hookups I was getting. And I started to just blog and build a start to build a lifestyle around who I thought I needed to be to live the life that I wanted. Dating okay. was kind of a byproduct of that, right? So as I was integrated myself into like the nightlife and the social scene. I mean, I was getting, you know, VIP treatment, I didn't have to wait in line. And like a lot of that social status helped me learn how to leverage it to connect with women. And then I was like, oh shit, like I need to now learn how to create these connections. And so I, I blogged and I chronicled like my experiences of, of what I was doing, what was working. And I just noticed a gradual improvement. So eventually people started to you know, read it and ask me questions. And I was just giving them advice based on what I, what I did, right. Or what mm-hmm. I would do if I was in this situation and then they would work, you know, and then eventually, you know, guys started to offer to pay, pay for my coaching. And then I kind of just, um, I was curious about that. I was like, people would pay for this, like, I thought you're supposed to already know this, right. Like, I was under the assumption that you kind of just had <laughs> to know this. I was, I was behind the eight ball, so to speak. And, um, and then I was in South by Southwest in Austin uh Texas and um a buddy of mine saw a really attractive girl at the bar and was like dude like be my wingman like help me get a date with her and I was like what's in it for me because I like her too she's cute (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay for all your drinks all weekend you know and I was like all right cool Mm, worst case scenario it's a funny story to tell best case scenario open bar for a few days so I went over and tatted her up and i introduced them and they ended up going on the lunch date the next day and then he texted me wow and said thanks for being my wingman so i was like oh like that'd be really cool if i got paid to do to do this you know and um mm-hmm. then i just went all in
0: cool wow yeah. what a story man and it's it's like humble beginnings i love that you know you you, you got to be a human being for dating that's something that i think a lot of yeah. people learn is you, you have to fake it till you make it but then eventually the faking stops working and you got to just be yourself once you've learned those skills that when you are yourself you can't attract and retain people uh women or or whoever you're da- trying to date so that's that's cool and yeah. um just what a baller life yeah getting to meet professional athletes and stuff. That's so cool.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it get- wasn't what I had planned. I mean, originally I went to school because I wanted to be a video game producer. You know, so I actually oh, wanted okay. to be in the, the video game industry and I was this is so crazy, but I was working on like a, um, I was working on a, a concept for Spider-Man, right? Like the, I, I had no idea like about the legalities and, and all that stuff around like if that was even possible, but I just always wanted to create a Spider-Man video game from when I used to play um, The Revenge of the Sinister Six back when it was on NES. So um, that was my dream, like to work for Sony Entertainment, to produce Spider-Man, you know, like live in Tokyo. Like that was like, (laughs) that was the dream. And then it just radically went in this direction, you know? But um, I'm so grateful for it because this whole experience has taught me more about life and, and myself than I could have ever done doing anything else, so.
0: Absolutely, man. I say that all the time. Like if I would have gotten rich and successful and had all my dreams come true in terms of career, I don't think I'd be where I am today or have the uh, the, the abilities that I do have because I went out and I did the grind, which we are going to get into here very shortly. Yeah. So um, yeah, dude, I for myself, yeah, I had, a, I had a gal in high school, but I never really learned the skills either. Like I kind of got it through just being good at sports and like um, and that kind of thing. So she never really, like, I think really liked me. Um, she liked like yeah. my status and stuff, but, um, yeah. so that really taught me that like, uh, sometimes status can be a double-edged sword because you get the people easier, but they might not stay around for the right reasons. And yeah. that was kind of a big wake up call as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, spent a lot of time wanting to be able to, to date. It was very frustrating because I just, I couldn't do it. And I, I just, it was so confusing because I got sober, I I changed my life. I did all those things and it just wasn't happening because I wasn't putting the work in, but Mm -hmm. because I didn't know that you had to put the work in, Um, I was taught with the mentality, like, you know, you just, she's going to come around when you're ready and and all that stuff, which is partially true, but it's partially not Mm -hmm. true because you, it's it's both. And so when you got sober, what was like, like, did you get right into dating? And then when you did, what was the distinction between your dating sober versus when you were partying and and having fun and drinking and stuff.
1: Yeah, so interesting enough, right? Like I had met my my girlfriend uh kind of early on in the journey and then and then we got married and then I got sober, right? So um so I want to create that context so people okay. people understand. So when I was working with clients and I was going out it was a very different that I was seeing and, Mm -hmm. and, and especially in today's world, right? Like, I mean, let's think back, like 2019, people will probably think that that was probably the most unforgettable, probably the most forgettable year of recent history, right? (laughs) Because of what has happened since then, right?
0: (laughs) I have literally not thought about 2019 since 2019 until this moment. (laughs) You just said 2019. Um, so like
1: how people were dating, how people, you know what I mean? Like what people were concerned with and focused on was just so different back then, you know? Mm -hmm. And in some ways it was easier because of that, right? Like people just started to get used to the idea that like, you know, online dating is a great tool, but it's, it's still, there's still some things that are broken about it which is preventing mm-hmm. people from getting offline to connect in person. And so there was like, people just were trying to figure out what to do, right? Then boom, you yeah. can't even see people, <laughs> right? It was like, you can't get together, right? It's purely online and it, it kind mm-hmm. of, you know, for better lack of words, fucked people, right? It's because because the things that they were dependent, they were trying to depend on were taken away from them. Mm-hmm. So, and then combine that with like how, you know, um, how much we were immersed in having to use and rely on technology and the consumption of content to get us by being now released back out into the wild. It is a completely different scene. And so what I've seen is this is the the game. The game that's being played today is very different than it was four years ago today. Mm -hmm. It's the attention game. And it's not so much you, um, uh, doing things or addressing a certain way to get a woman's attention, right? It's not so much that, but it's about how you show up and how and what you represent that keeps her attention, right? Mm-hmm. Like,
0: okay,
1: like the idea of getting a woman's attention, I think, is a moot point because it, it only lasts all of like two or three seconds, right? So, okay, I, so I tell my clients, like, don't even worry about getting their attention, you will have their attention, but for all of two seconds so you're you should be spending all of your your energy on what you're going to do to keep her attention and what i've discovered has been like the you know the secret sauce so to speak is what i call authentic polarization and what that is is when you are so true to who you are and your values and your opinions even if they're judgy um by staying so true to that, what's gonna happen in today's world is that you're gonna create polarity. There's gonna be p- women and people and men um, who are completely against everything that you stand for, right? Sure. It, it, yep. it just, right? And back then, it used to matter a lot, right? It used to matter a lot to people to, to, to be liked by as many people as possible. They don't want to be in an environment where people don't like them or they're not accepted, right? Yeah. But in today's world, you need that because Whoa. you need that charge in order for the other side and everyone else to wonder: like, why does why do these people not like this person so much? Let me let me look into what this person's about. And what you'll yeah. find is that there will be this other side who's going to be obsessed with you because your your alignment um, and your values and yeah. your opinions and how you show up are perfect, right? And that's who really who you want. That's who you want in your life. So it, what I've learned in, in sobriety and, and in interacting and socializing with people is the more you're true to who you are and who you know yourself mm-hmm. to be, not representative of who you think you should be out there, The more polarity you create, but the more the more intense connections you have an opportunity to create with those who actually are in alignment.
0: Oh, man, dude, I love all that. (laughs) Thank you, Thomas. (laughs) A lot of girls don't like me. And that's a great thing. Right. You want people not to like you. Same with YouTube. When people start giving you hate comments on your YouTube channel, you know, your your message is strong. So
1: absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Apple started
0: doing this thing where it it creates a thumbs Uh, up. Come on. Oh, but, nice. Okay. Well, it was, was doing earlier, but uh, yeah, yeah, dude. And I, I really appreciate you saying that because a lot of, I think the insecurity I've had around dating is when I do bring up that I do sobriety and I do sober coaching and I don't drink. And I always mm-hmm. have like a little moment where I'm just like, like, what's she going to do? What's she going to say? And you're so right. Like a lot have been like kind of not interested in that or maybe int- at first are interested um, because they're so interested in who I am. But over time, yeah. they're like, yeah, this really isn't going to work with my lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. So things kind of fizzle out. But that's a great thing. And then you're right. The ones that I have met that we are like, we have a great connection. They love that about me. They love that I don't drink and that I I, I don't do drugs and that I take really good care of myself. And those are the people that I want and that I have the best time with. There's this whole, yeah. I think that's, it's like part, part codependency where it's like some, you want the people that don't want you, right? we, we want yeah. what we can't have. What, what, it, yeah. what, what about that is like, have you seen with your clients, with yourself, why do we do that?
1: I think it comes from childhood, right? Like wanting to be, to be accepted. Right. We talked to, you know, you and I talked about like the mother wounding, right. For some people it could be the father wounding. Right. But I think for a lot of guys it's, it's the mother wounding. Right. And, and, all we want is to be accepted, right? We want to be accepted, we want to be acknowledged, we want to be respected, we want to be and, and for, for many men, I would even go as far as saying most men, respect is love, right? And so we, we want that. And we're always trying to get that from the people who raised us. And for and for many of us, we never felt like we got that fully, right? So now we're looking for it outside in the in the world particularly in a romantic relationship, right? This is why oftentimes we find ourselves marrying or dating our mothers, <laughs> you know, versions of our mothers, right? But yep. that's a whole nother thing, right? But but ultimately, like, it's because we want to find a way to repair what we feel has been wounded, right? Which is that mm-hmm. feeling of acceptance and acknowledgement and respect and love, Right. But here's what's really crazy. The ego has no consciousness. So it has no awareness of of what environment that you're looking for this, what environment feels safe to have this. And so even though you're looking for that in a romantic relationship, when you go out to the coffee shop and you try to talk to someone, you're looking for that in that moment right then and there with someone that you've never met. (laughs) Your ego has no way to to deciphering, right? to, Mm -hmm. To decipher that. So It becomes something that then manifests itself repeatedly until you're able to start to desensitize yourself to that experience.
0: Yeah, dude. Absolute gold. Absolute gold. We do look... that for that repairing from our from our parents and there's a really good book uh i recommend people checking out it's called uh getting the love you want and i'm pretty sure it's the only book called that so (laughs) just i don't remember the authors but look it up and it talks all about that thomas and i had a good talk the other night about how uh, oftentimes in dating you people look for people that remind them of their folks uh the good parts that the, the our parents had so that is a positive thing right yeah maybe they're really like Good listeners or they really you know supported you so you look for that but you also look for the parts that your parents didn't give you that you really wanted and when you meet that person that has those that kind of two qualities that you're that the ego maybe wants or that an unresolved part that's where the oneitis comes from that's where like that intense like mm-hmm. dude like this is the one holy crap there's yeah. no one like this person because just like you said it it, it triggers to that subconscious that oh this is somebody that's going to heal that pain that you have and as you yeah. find that doesn't happen and in fact it, it probably creates more pain i just recently yeah. had a breakthrough this last week a girl i've been seeing remind she she healed that part of me that missed out in high school that thing I always wanted in high school and she had qualities, my parents too. But once I realized that I'm like, I actually don't really like a lot of things about her. (laughs) And (laughs) But since she reminded me of what I missed out as being a teenager, it felt so like, dude, I was like, this is the, like, I got to make this work at all costs. Let everyone else go. And she, she obviously sensed that and was pulling away herself. And then the reason for her pulling away made me say, okay, why is she pulling away? What did I do wrong? X, Y, or Z. And what I did technically quote unquote wrong. Um, there is no wrong or right. I believe in the Buddhist perspective, uh, Mm -hmm. there just is. And, And what was was that she was healing that part and reminded me of what I, I missed out and so that's really what I was attracted to. So it was selfish. It wasn't even about her, which was kind of scary to to face as well. Like, oh, I like how she makes me feel. I'm not even thinking about am I a good fit for her? Am I like how am I was like I like I was adding value yeah. to her and like making sure I was being the present and all that. Uh, it still was very selfishly motivated.
1: And I was just like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and and in, in, in- sobriety and and, in recovery right like i think that's where you realize that you're powerless you're powerless over people places and things right and the people part is really difficult especially if you're in a romantic Mm -hmm. relationship or have a romantic um interest in someone because all you want to do is control them right all you want to do is make them love you make them like you, right? that's, that's all I mean. Well, it's the ultimate, right? And ultimate. what's really challenging is to release that control. Like you have to surrender to the idea that you don't have uh, a pati- a specific choice in whether or not this works out. You can have an influence for sure Right. Like, I don't want to make you completely powerless. Right. But I don't want to make you think that you're so powerful that you can influence it in however way you want, because that's just not realistic. And what I found is when you, when you allow yourself to surrender and say, you know what, like I'm powerless over this situation. All I have is all I have power over is how I show up and how I respond to what's going on in this dynamic. Oftentimes you end up. Okay. And for my clients, the more they double down on who they are and their values and their lifestyle and how they choose to live, the more options they create for themselves, right? In the way that they want. And they start to realize that like, yeah, there's going to be some people who don't like that, right? And what I found is typically that's because people don't like other people who have options.
0: (laughs) Oh, say that again.
1: Right. Wow. Like people just don't want other people who have more options in them. Right. I'll be more specific. Right. And, okay. and so a guy who knows who the, who he is, what values he stands for, willing to say whatever he wants in turn respectfully, right. But based on his beliefs and his opinions and is willing to walk away if there's disagreement or misalignment or whatever, like people are intimidated by that. They don't like that. Mm-hmm. And they'll respond in two different ways. They'll either hate on it and dislike that yep. person more. Right. Yep. Or they'll like it because yep. they don't encounter that often. And that means yeah. that that person, per, 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 that perceived value, that person is much greater. Yeah. Yes. Right? Girls
0: love that guys. Girls love Absolutely. that. <laughs> the exactly. guy has Absolutely.
1: Right. And mm-hmm. we can take varying samples to really show this. Right. Cause You don't have to be a celebrity, but I like to use celebrities as or influencers as examples to see the fundamentals, right? You see someone like, um, we'll we'll, we'll say his name, Andrew Tate, right? There are so many people who despise this man, and there's so many people who are obsessed with this man, right? Like Donald Trump is another person, right? Obsessed. Mm And also hated or hated. Yeah. You don't have to create such polarity in your life. You can be (laughs) a normal commoner. Right. But live in that lane where you do have people who don't like you and people who absolutely love you, you Mm -hmm. know. And so you don't need influence. You don't need a celebrity. I think status does help it because as you increase your status, the divide increases. Right. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to have that much status in order for you to to create that polarity. But the only way for that to exist is by being completely, like, 100% authentic to yourself.
0: Yes. And let's look at the idea of the bad boy, right? Your typical bad boy, right? He doesn't yeah. follow the rules. He, he lives by his own drum. He probably rides a motorcycle. And, like, chicks dig that, right? Yeah. And maybe that's because, like, he, obviously, most likely he doesn't have status. A lot of them don't but chicks still love him anyway because he's so authentic and true to who he is. So I think that's a great message. If someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, Thomas, that's great. I don't know how to be authentic. I've never done it in my whole life. I've always lived by what society has said, what my parents have said. How do they start being authentic?
1: Yeah. It's a great, it's a great question. Right. So I, I have a framework um, that I, that I like to use and it's purely gamified meaning like it's based on you having fun and sometimes fun is a trigger word for some people because some people don't believe in happiness some people don't believe that happiness is important for you to achieve success Mm -hmm. and fulfillment um i disagree i i think it i think happiness makes life better right it may not be necessary but it does make life better right And the way to create, and I think happiness is an energy that can be leveraged for you to do more shit, right, in the world and create a stronger impact. So the way I I see it is you look at different areas of your life. You look at your physical, your mental, your spiritual fitness. You look at the people, places, and things that bring you joy. You think about, you know, how how your self-confidence, what you say to yourself, how do you love yourself? You look at your journey and dating and relationships, and you also look at your connection to the world, whether it's your community, your neighbor, or the world in general. How do you interact with other people that you don't know? And then your ability to increase, share, and ask for value. like These are all 12 metrics that can be measured if you're you're willing willing to, to do that. And inside of each of those metrics, there's something that you probably can do that is so true to who you are that if you allowed yourself to do it, you would experience so much more freedom and happiness than anything else that you were told to do, right? And Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. this statement is is kind of a a slippery slope, right? Because I want to also create a caveat here that I'm assuming that the things that you're thinking about are healthy, right? I'm not talking about alcohol and drugs and pornography and eating yourself into oblivion and and like doing reckless things that are damaging to yourself and other people. I'm talking about things that proactively can enhance your life, right? Like going to Mm the gym, like meditating, praying. if if You're a person of faith, right? Journaling, you know, getting up early, um, connecting with people who bring you joy, going to places that bring you joy, going outside Mm -hmm. and forest bathing or you're going on a hike, um, Allowing yourself to have experiences and things that actually trigger happiness, right? Like doing things, having conversations with yourself that tells you how awesome you are, right? Like even if we were to start there, for example, right? I think to even answer that question, right? Like we have to start, when we talk about how do you be authentic? Well, I think there's, there needs to be some truth telling, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're not where you are in your life, Be honest with yourself and say, okay, I'm not where I am in my life. I'm not where I want to be in my life. And it's not okay. I know I can do better. And I will do better. Right? Let's not shit on ourselves for not being where we are. We don't have to call ourselves a piece of shit for not doing that. If you need to do that to motivate you to move, then so be it. Right? But most of my clients don't necessarily need that. They just need to be able to tell themselves the truth, which is I'm not where I want to be. It's not okay, and I need. I can. I, I can do something about. it. I have the capacity to do something about it. And from there, the conversation that you have in here needs to change. It's not about what you yes. can do, can't do. It's about what you can do, what you will do, what you need to do, what you must do. Um, telling yourself, we in recovery, it's, they use it. I think it's rule sixty-two, right? It's act as if. If all else fails, <laughs> act as if. Right. <laughs> And sometimes that's even necessary, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not a big believer in faking it till you make it. Because when I see professional athletes, they don't fake anything. They practice. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when you see the best players of all time, they don't fake that shit. Like they, they've been practicing it. So we can practice self-talk. We can practice approaching women. We can practice better dates. Yes. We can practice great conversation. We can practice these things. and. The more you do that based on who you believe that you are, not who you mm-hmm. think you need to be, mm-hmm. I think the stronger your skill set will become. And it, it's hard. Like I've been through this, you know. Part of my decline was I was living a life based on who I thought I needed to be.
0: Mm, okay.
1: You know, in reflection, that's yeah. what destroyed me. Yeah. yeah. You know?
0: And you had to be honest with yourself, just like you said, right? And honesty, like, yeah, I will promise you, whoever's like, if you hear this, honesty will set you free in many ways and it will make the process easier because then you can start taking the actions that will get you to where you want to go. Like act as if it's like, what would somebody who in dating, for example, who's really successful at dating would what would they do? Would they be playing um, video games every night and eating Cheetos? Probably not. Would they be going to the gym every day? Probably. Um, Would they be, you know, eating really well and making sure they're mentally sharp so when they meet women or or men, vice versa, they're on their A game, probably. And if you can start doing those things, you won't have the results right away, but you'll be acting as if you're not faking it because you're doing it. You're doing all the actions that someone who's successful does. Same with like, like when I always think I'm like, I I got really into basketball. Like, what would it take for me to be successful basketball? Well, I watched Kobe Bryant's documentary. I'm not going to be successful at basketball after watching that. And that's okay. And I was honest with myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Let's focus that attention elsewhere. And in recovery too. Yeah. You got to be honest to get sober and stay sober. It, if you're lying, it's only going to lead you down a path of wanting to use. And it's so funny. I just made a video on this right before we had the stream on the importance mm-hmm. of being honest and yeah. getting and staying sober. A lot that, of the times I mean, when that's... people. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, God. I was, I was gonna...
1: Yeah I was going to say that um you you mean you just nailed it man the truth will will set you free honesty is so is so important right and and, and any I mean, any spiritual program right it doesn't have to be a spiritual program of recovery but any sp- design for living that where where you want to feel free happy joyous and free the way to do that is by stop lying and tell the and tell the truth and one of my first coaches Garrett J White founder of Wake Up Warrior that was one of the first things he taught me he was like you need to stop lying to yourself. Stop fucking yeah. lying. And start telling the truth. Right. And I didn't realize when he had told me that, how much I was lying to myself. You know? And when I really, when I really took a look, it was fucked, man. Like I was, I was lying about everything. You know, and when I had to take the, and it was a it was a hard pill to swallow because when I actually told myself the truth. My life was not what I thought it was, you know? Yeah. And it was shame. It was shame it was there. Was you know? Shame.
0: Yes. Oh, bro. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know we connected on, on deeply, and that is it. <laughs> We're yeah. real compulsive liars. <laughs> yeah, I, when I was know. in college, I, I told everyone that I was uh, in, on track to be a dentist. I had like a 2.8 GPA. You need like a 3.9 to be considered for dental, dental school. <laughs> I kept, and it finally yeah. took an acid trip. To make me realize oh i'm just like a big fraud and yeah. that's kind of where the journey of self-discovery uh, began and it was very painful was very painful um but you know there's a silver lining to this that's almost like it's like you have an awakening when you're finally 100 honest yourself so let's let's go back to dating for example maybe you suck with women i had to say that to myself i had to have that truth to myself very very many times and it hurt because i thought i was a stud and I'm like, girls don't want to date me. Girls don't want to even talk to me. Uh, I thought I was, just, you know, maybe I'm not really a stud, right? I couldn't, have, like D'Angelo said, I couldn't fake it till I made it anymore. I was in the, the ring and I was just getting punched in the face left or right. And so then I really had to start taking more action, more action. And it's like, okay, what do people that are good with women? what do they do, right? Yeah. Well, they don't treat them like crap. They're, they don't follow all that, you know, internet dogma about, you know, talking, you know, they're not 304, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, they practice. So they do multiple approaches a day. And they do talk to people in the street. They do talk to people at the grocery store, even people that they aren't attracted to. And I didn't want, I was like, I'll be honest. I was like, gosh, damn it.
1: <laughs> Can't yeah. I
0: just like take a pill or watch a video? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get it's out true.
1: there. It's true. And and I appreciate what uh, D'Angelo said. You know, he said, faking it till you make it is the building Is building the wrong foundations for one day of the house falling falling apart consistently. Practice will always make perfect, and it's it's true. Mm -hmm. There are so many times I've seen guys go into conversations with women, completely falsify who they are, and then Mm -hmm. now are trapped in this web of lies, right? That they need to maintain that will eventually expose them, right? And they're going to lose. So they go into the situation already destined to lose, right? Because Mm -hmm. they chose not to be themselves. Right. Dude, and yes. And, and it goes to what we were talking about, um, you know, the last time we had all got together. When you're authentic, you are always in position to play to win. But the moment you start lying, you start becoming inauthentic, now you're in a position to play to not lose. And that is not <laughs> that is not a place where you've practiced. That is not a place that is true to you because you're lying. <laughs> right. Gosh. And so you're in a space that you're not familiar with. Now, this person mm-hmm. you know who might be here saying, I've never been authentic before in, in my life. Well, practice, right? I know d'angelo said practice will always make perfect. I'll I'll change that up just a little bit, uh, D'Angelo, if you allow me. Is practice will always make progress. Yes. Right? Like, yeah, always right when you practice you don't get worse you actually get better maybe if it's even incrementally and maybe you can't even see it but you do get better and so if you don't know who you are then you need to go on a search to find out what that is and allow yourself to discover that and when you do then you practice that out loud right and and yeah. the practice is what really comes comes to play you know me being here is you know, fifteen plus years—I don't know, maybe eighteen years—from when I started my my personal development journey—is a result of eighteen years of finally figuring out That's how to truly be myself. <laughs> <laughs> right? I still got a long way to go, man. I'm, I still got a long way to go. I just realized even a few days ago that there's still a, a character defect that, uh, you know, that I try to hide. You know, and okay. I lie about. Right, and thank God I have people, have men in my life that are that are willing to call me out and say, "Bro, like mm-hmm. that's not you. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You need to take inventory. Take a look at that, you know." And I did, and uh-huh. I immediately made change. Right. Um. Yep. And so we're it, don't be fooled. Like people you see that you might idolize or look up to, like they're not perfect either, and they're on the journey. They're just further ahead of you than where you are now but yep. they all have their things that they're, they're constantly working on, but they've practiced it enough to make so much progress that it looks like they're polished, but, yes. you, but yep. you have the capacity to do that as well.
0: Absolutely, and maybe you will be, and maybe they are polished, and that's that's okay. And like learning to be happy for people that have the success you want, I found was a huge game changer because I would always get jealous. That was one of my big fear like oh, or envy, which is even worse. Envy is wishing that you have what they have and thinking that they shouldn't have it. That's envy. Oh, jealousy yeah. is just wanting, jealousy is just wanting what they have, right? Yeah. So yeah. I would get envious
1: and oh, <laughs>
0: this is one of the <laughs> most corrosive.
1: In my research around happiness and performance and gamification of life and things like that, I started to study, you know, different uh, ways, uh, cultures around the world, how they create happiness, right? Mm. And I came across this idea of, um, I don't know if you've heard of schadenfreude, right? But for those of you who haven't heard it, schadenfreude is, um, I believe it's it's, it's it's German, it's German term. But basically, it's taking joy in the misfortune of others, right? That's that's what Schadenfreude. But but the opposite of that is Freud and Freud, which is taking joy (laughs) in the joy of others. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And studies have shown when you practice Freud and Freud, not only does it help elevate your personal well-being, it actually increases your chances of, of experiencing similar success. So studies have actually shown over time that when you are actually happy for other people, it actually energetically creates opportunities where you can experience similar success on your path. Um, and mm-hmm. so I've removed the jealousy from my life. Like when people oh, are, are doing well, I'm pumped. I'm like, that is awesome. You know, like I'm super yeah. happy for them. And I'm also studying, well, what did they do to get there? You know, I want to see mm-hmm. what they did. What was their success could leave clues for me. Right. And so um, so I I look at it that way. And I think if you were able to do that, it really will change your frame around kind of how you view yourself in comparison to other people.
0: Yes. Oh, dude, I'm so happy you brought that up. Shot for it is so big. Uh, definitely German, hella German. And <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. That's why I don't watch the news or like really intense drama shows because it's just like that. that's all that is. You feel joy when bad things happen and it's like, uh, it's, yeah, it's a nasty energy. And when you feel happy for other people's happiness, you're right, it, it does something to your mind, it does something to your spirit. And what I found too is that sometimes the thing you want, you'll get. But if you don't know how to be happy for when someone gets it, you won't actually be happy for yourself when you get it and then yeah. self-sabotage it. So mm-hmm. when you're at, when you're like, oh dude, I'm like, I'm so happy for this person, you, you learn to be happy around that outcome. So then when that outcome comes into your life, you're just like, oh,
1: sweet! This is awesome. This is, yeah. I
0: deserve this, yeah,
1: yeah. Because subconsciously, when you're hating on someone else, it, it, what you're what you're also saying subconsciously is that you don't believe that you are you have you're capable of having the same success. So, right. why would success even make an attempt to come near you if that's how you feel? Right, like it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. so, when you take joy in other people's success you actually, there's a part of your brain that also kind of fantasizes about how you could share that success too, what it feels like for you to have that success. And that's the, that's the energy that, that attracts similar success to you is is because you are feeling the emotions of what it's like to be that person, right? And feeling their joy, right? And and you're kind of taking it on as your own. Um, It's a really powerful technique. I highly suggest you guys check it out. It's Freud and Freud Freud um, and Freud. I, you, I don't know how, but <laughs> you'll, you'll see.
0: it Yeah. Yeah. I, pre- yeah. I appreciate you t- teaching us about Freud and Freud. I've known about Sean Freud, but I didn't know there was a name for the opposite. So that's uh-huh. so great. And now people might also like be like, yo, the whole law of attraction thing. And I'm not too sure about it anymore, but I think what it does is like, it's not like you feel the energy and then all of a sudden like, you open the door and there's a delivery man with, you know, a hundred grand, but you yeah. start putting in the action because you're like, wait, if I can get this too. And I want this happiness. What do I have to do to get it? So it comes back to taking honest action. So it's mm-hmm. another way of being honest. And uh, yeah. gosh, we, we could do a whole podcast on Freud and Freud. But, yeah, um, right.
1: to- I think it's also like, I don't know if you heard of a reticular activator, right? But it's kind yeah. of like the concept is like, you know, let's say you're shopping for a car and you really want a, a Jeep, Right. Mm -hmm. you'll probably see 20 to 30% more Jeeps on the road than you normally did because your mind is, is focused on that. Right. Um, Especially if it's like a certain color, if you think of a certain color that you're interested in, you'll probably see more of that color because you're thinking of it. And so the same works for uh, thinking about success and taking joy in other people's success and, and seeing how other people create success. Like you said, it's not law of attraction, but I do believe there is a law of focus, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And and if we are able to abide by that law and allow ourselves to focus on the things that we believe can help us become better people, have a stronger impact in the world and eventually experience greater fulfillment, then yeah, press on. Like Allow allow the reticular reticular activator to really uh, see all those opportunities exist, either outside of yourself or within yourself. You know, um, yes. mm-hmm. so I'm with you. Like, I'm not big on the law of of attraction. I, I think there are some like, um, uh, what's the word? Like, I think to... there's some biology and some chemistry that's involved in being able to attract people, places, and things for sure. Uh, okay, but, but I but I do believe that also focus plays a big role in that. Yeah,
0: I love that. Yeah, law of focus, law of practicality versus maybe yeah like yeah if you have a you know if you're six three and have like a chiseled jaw yeah you probably have some law of attraction going (laughs) for you versus somebody else who's you know average height but um yeah if you can really work it with you with that practicality so speaking of practicality i'm curious what do you think like why do you think sober dating is why do you recommend it what have you seen the pros of that versus party dating and, and all the above. I'm going to take a piss while you answer. So, um, yeah, well, I will say too, this is where it gets uh,
1: juicy. <laughs> awesome. Great question, man. So I'm going to be really intentional and think about this since you're going to be, um, now listen, like I, I won't say that, you know, sober dating is better. Right. Um, but what I will say is that there are a lot of benefits to trying to connect with people without drinking, without substances. Um, one thing is you'll remember more details. Um, two, you're more likely to be authentic um, because you don't wanna lie. Um, you, you tend to lie less when you're, when you're sober. Um, I think it allows you also to be quicker on your feet um, you are much more intelligent than, than, you, uh, than you think, especially in social situations. And, it, and you just get better the more you immerse yourself in those environments. Um, and I think anyone who is interested in leveling up their social game should try to date without substances, even if you don't have a problem, if you don't have an addiction or anything like that. I think it's such a great experience because it's like going to the gym. You know, you start going to the gym and you don't feel like you can keep up with other people who are in the gym. Maybe you don't even feel like you have the capacity or the power to do what you can do. But over time, once you start to hit some milestones for yourself, there's a and you start to uh, leverage that through, di- through discipline and commitment. The The results they carry over beyond just having great aesthetics and having a healthier body. Like you feel more confident going into social situations. You feel confident going into work. You feel confident with your friends, making decisions for yourself, right? Goal setting, all these things. I think the same thing applies to when you're, you're sober and you're socially interacting with people. Like once you know that you can do it, it becomes like this ultimate power that you know, you have that you can just use at any time. Right. And so like, a great example would be and this has happened for quite a few of my clients especially those who travel a lot once they were able to figure out how to meet women at bars or restaurants or nighttime events when they would go to the airport they knew exactly where to go where to sit down who to chat with and how to build a connection with someone to turn that into dates and they could they could do that at the airport lounge They could have done that at the airport restaurant, or if they got lucky, they could have done that with the person who's in the same row as them, right? Um, And in those situations, you don't always have the option to drink, right? And so knowing that you don't need to take that option gives you such a huge advantage, especially, and I've seen this, and this is not a knock against women, but especially when they're drinking, (laughs) because they when they see how chill you are and how relaxed you are and how loose they are and how they kind of feel like their inhibitions are being released and, and they feel a sense of like, um, not safe, but safe because they're with you. It it really does create a special experience and it it changes how they show up because they're realizing, oh shit, like, I don't want to be sloppy around this guy. This guy is showing up. He's 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 really well put together. He's not drinking like I am right now. Like it doesn't mean that he's stuck up because I'm actually enjoying this conversation, right? Um, so I now need to correct myself so I don't put, you know, put uh, cast a, a shadow upon my impression. And so I just noticed that and my clients notice that women do show up better too um, when when they realize that you're not drinking and you're creating a good connection with them. And then I also see the other side where like if you're so true to yourself and you're having a blast, women don't even know if you're not drinking. <laughs> they just don't, you know? A lot of them are shocked if when they find out that you didn't drink because to them it looked like it felt like you were drinking and partying with them, but the truth was you were partying with them, you just weren't drinking with them, and that makes you look so much cooler. So, I think having the capacity to do that, I think gives you such a leg up and such an advantage over people who go out and drink and game and do all those other things so i highly recommend if you haven't done it whether you have a, a drinking problem or not give it a shot i think it you'll it'll, it'll open your mind to the possibilities
0: Oh, it, it really will and you know, you're going to have the end of the day and there's going to be the memories there. It's the memory will be that you had a human connection. I found with the, with the alcohol and stuff. When, once that gets involved, it's more about the substances than it is about the people. And once you re- remove that, it's like, well, you know, we're here. This is it. This is, it's you and I, it's raw. It's uh I think it leads to, to more possibility of a relationship too, if that's something you're looking for, because you, you, again, you show up, you're like, Hey, this is me. Maybe there are stuff you hide, which I think is, you know, you don't want to reveal your whole sleeve on the first date. That's not a good strategy, but um, when you're authentic and you're yourself, you know, they're going to take it or leave it. Uh, And yeah, they do have way more fun. (laughs) Like they don't, they don't know it at all. Um, One of the things I do is like uh, when I was back in the U.S. I would go to this little kind of bar cafe by my place. because This is a great spot, like good vibes. And I would always just order a couple, um, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, waters and lime, like the seltzer, water and lime. Mm-hmm. They had no idea. You know, yeah. they don't care. And then they feel better the next day. So it's a win-win. <laughs> and then yeah. you feel better too. You get, you get hydrated, you know, you're not, you just start getting the munchies or anything like crazy like that. The other day over here, I was, I was with someone and they, I, they didn't know I didn't drink and they're like, Hey, do you have any beers? like, no, I actually don't drink. And they were like, kind of like shocked for a moment. Um, But I felt that they they respected me more because they they knew that fact. They knew yeah. I wasn't just there to get sloppy and, and you know, hook up and stuff. It was like it, it meant a little more. And um, we're setting something up for next week because I think – and I think that was a big part of it. So, yeah, dude, I think there's so many benefits to, to dating sober. Um, learning those skills too because what we talked about before the stream, when you do the sober dating, everything integrates a lot better. Yeah. So you can go out there and – have it be almost like not even it's not even a skill set anymore it just becomes a part of who you are um yeah. you know, I talk like this I behave like this so so yeah. so many benefits dude so many right
1: and, and the you were talking about like also like the other side right not getting the munchies you you have so much of your time right like you can go yeah. out on a date or you can go out and connect with with people and go to bed wake up work out like live your life nor like you your life doesn't change when you, when you're not drinking, like your life, like your life doesn't yeah. change when you're not drinking. And, and that, and I mean that in a good way, right? Like yeah. you don't have to go to bed late or wake up late, be hung over, have to take three or four hours to get your, your the brain fog removed, right? Like yep. a lot of time in, in today's world, time is money, man. Like yeah. that's a lot, that's a lot of time and money for me to lose being hung over. And I keep track of mm. how much time and how much money I've I've either saved or made, so to speak. Um, okay. As a result of my sobriety, and that's a good idea. It's a lot, bro. It's, probably- it's a lot. <laughs> it's, a lot. It's, it's a lot, you know. Yep. I, and and it makes sense, honestly, because the way my life has transformed as a result of it, I feel like I've accelerated. It, it, you know, in a, like you know, in the four four plus years of sobriety, I feel like my life has gone maybe seven, eight years because I have to, you know, so. Dude.
0: I a hundred percent, man, like you get, like I, I cra- I shudder sometimes thinking like if I were to start working on this stuff 30 years from now, how much more garbage I would have to work through. And now we get to see the benefits and, and experience it. Um, uh, when I, whenever I work with somebody for coaching and they're hesitant to, you know, sign up, I ask them, the first question is how much time is this substance costing you? How much time and money? They answer that first question. Then the real quicker is how much time and money could you be making and having if you this wasn't a part of your life anymore, if this addiction yeah. or substance? And they, that's when they just kind of smile like a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like, yep. yep. Yeah. Relationships, so it, all the
1: above. Yeah. And like I said, you know, it, I think it's a no brainer to at least try. Um, I feel like there's, there's no real downside you know, um yeah. to to trying it out. Um at least in, in my opinion, I haven't experienced a downside. I thought the downside was that I was not gonna have fun. And okay. I totally blew that out uh two weeks into the my journey. You know, I went to Sweet. I do not recommend this if you're in recovery and if you're new. So I, I I will preface by saying that, but um it was Super Bowl Sunday. Uh the Pats were playing the Rams. And I was in Santa Monica, and I went to the uh, the Boston bar that I had when I was drinking. Like I owned that place basically. Like I just I was yeah. the guy there, and so I, I still leveraged that status, and I got a table. I mean, I was at this place at like six thirty in the morning. Now, wow, the game doesn't start until three thirty, right, Pacific Standard Time. So I'm in there, hanging out. This place is getting packed. I'm waiting for friends to show up. Some of them don't show up. Girls start showing up. I give them chairs because, you know, that that looks good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they immediately buy me sh- shots, right? And I'm like, oh, no, thank you. I appreciate it. I give it to them. And I'm I'm watching the game. And um, I'm talking to people as well, connecting with people. And it was the most fun I had up to that point, like genuine fun, because yeah. I went there because I wanted to watch the game, not for any other reason. And the Pats end up winning that game. They had passed around champagne. They wanted to buy more shots. They did. I was like, "No, it's all good, thanks." Like, no. And they're like, "Wait, like, did you not drink while you were here?" And I was like, "No." They're like, "Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> like, son. How is that possible?" Like, they just they just couldn't understand it. They you know? Yeah. And at that point, I was at that bar for 16, 18 hours, right? And I remember just walking okay. home and feeling really good about myself, knowing that one. As a free man I can go into any environment and I know that I won't be triggered and I'll be okay. Um and two that this was always in me. Oh. I just never really gave myself the chance to do it because I was still suppressed by the program of who I thought I needed to be.
0: Right. And it sounds like they were they, you had more fun and people were more like in love with you by yeah. the end of it.
1: Cuz the, the the joy that I felt when the Pats won the Super Bowl was as genuine as it had ever been up to that point. You know, uh-huh. it wasn't drunken joy or it wasn't, you know, yeah, like, it Ooh, yeah. yeah right. It was genuine Ooh, yeah. excitement, joy, and happiness that they had won. And I'd never, I mean, it was, I was still two weeks sober. So I, I hadn't mm-hmm. felt these genuine emotions in a really long time, right? Oh, okay. So it was very raw and, and, and unfamiliar to me. But it, it was something that I knew that I didn't want to lose ever again, you know, um, mm-hmm. and and that's what mm-hmm. I think is like the biggest perk of 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 sobriety is that
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything you feel, everything you experience is genuine, right? And it's something that you can take all take you can take responsibility for all of it, right? I think that's also one of the best parts of it is like when you're when you're sober, everything that you create in your I mean even when you're drunk, right? But when you're drunk, everything's your fault. <laughs> right? That's how you see it, right? When you're drunk, everything's your fault. But when you're sober, everything's your responsibility. And with mm. responsibility comes power. You, when it's your fault, you don't feel power. You feel shame, right? No, yeah. But when you are taking responsibility, you feel a sense of power. And that was what, like, I'd rather be, you know, addicted to responsibility, right? A sense of yep. duty. Um, cause that gives me inner strength to go out and, and and carry my life out the way that I feel I'm meant to, um, different than how I feel, how I felt I was supposed to, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and we could talk
1: about this all day, but I know we got to wrap up, but I, I hope, I hope, uh, who was listening to this, they, they were able to understand that part. Cause that's so significant. Like there's a lot of inner strength that you actually get to feel and experience when you're not intoxicated. Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, you put it so well, you're responsible. You become responsible for everything in your life. Um, not so much always the, the things that happen, um, but you re, your ability to respond. Responsibility is your ability to respond. One of my yeah. favorite parts of the story, too, is no one knew you weren't drinking. Yeah.
1: No one <laughs> no knew one until asked. they
0: asked. No, one no I, one mean,
1: knew. Three, I mean, two, two weeks ago, I was there wasted. Right. So, like, there, there was no reason for, for people to think that I wasn't drinking. Right. But it was so shocking <laughs> to them when they found out, you know, and in some ways it was kind of shocking to me that I would be at a bar mm. for, you know, 16 hours. And, and yeah, so I don't recommend it for anyone. To recover. Do not do not do that. Um, <laughs> you know, do not. Uh, I, I'm one of the blessed ones that where the obsession to drink was removed from me on day one. So I, I've never had oh, wow. to think about drinking ever. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm, so I'm really grateful for that, you know, but in, in sheer, you know, alcoholic form, I wanted to test the limits of mm-hmm. how was <laughs> this obsession can I, can I immerse myself <laughs> in the same environment I was in two weeks ago, where I got wasted and did a bunch of drugs and, and did all kinds of crazy things. And can I do that? And I was, I was able to, but, um, but like I said, the biggest lesson for me walking away from that day was that. By being who my being myself was going to be the path to my growth. Like mm-hmm. it was the only path to my growth was being myself, and I'm only going to learn more the more I choose to be myself.
0: Yeah. Oh, amen, brother. It's the path to happiness. It really yeah. is because the happiness as Thomas saw was inside all along, and you know, it's I feel higher than I ever did on Molly just every single day. Like get yeah. to experience all the things I wanted that drugs I thought was was gonna give me, but they didn't. So absolutely, man. Like I would love to do a part two on this because I have some more yeah. questions for you about like Let's how life it. is today. Awesome. <laughs> we will do a part two, guys. Stay tuned. And uh, just want to thank you first off for coming on and sharing your you know your story, your wisdom, and uh, who you are as a person, and just giving experience, strength, and hope, man. Because there's a lot of people that don't that that don't think they can have an awesome life and Um, that they don't think they can be happy ever again. I was one of those people. And you absolutely can. When you do the things that Thomas talked about, being honest, uh, taking responsibility for your life, uh, asking for help, reaching out to people, uh, doing the hard thing, right? The only caveat I'll say when you said like, there's nothing like not great about sober dating. The only thing I'll say is that you have to face the truth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: really, uh, Fair a, enough. yeah yep. that part's not as <laughs> pleasant, you know? yeah yep.
0: it doesn't feel good but it'll feel good long term it's delayed gratification right which is addicts we're not you know we have to learn that skill
1: yeah <laughs> that's why use, that's why when you were in the uh in the bathroom i used the gym analogy because that's so key you know like mm-hmm. no one no one gets excited about going to the gym right but they feel stoked when they when they're done with their workout you know and that's that's what yeah. time sleep does for you
0: I'm doing a bulk with uh, Jaron here, who a lot of you have seen on the channel before. And I I've, like the first month I started eating carbs again and I was getting super like pudgy. And now that pudge is starting to like disperse throughout my body. I'm just like, this is sick. It's awesome. It's like what we were, what I wanted. But again, I delayed gratification and I had to sit through that pain of having a little bit of a dad bod for a while. It yeah. was like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to have a Chad body. Why do I have a dad body? You know, just all that, that, that patience, 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 patience. It Whenever I have a, it takes time with dating, with, with everything. Whenever I meet with one of my sponsors, uh, by the end of the call, we can usually, you know, break it down to the fact that I wasn't patient. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, so Joel, <laughs> it sounds like you weren't patient again. I'm like, oh yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so he's but, like, yeah. yeah, there it <laughs> is. Yep. yep and so they are very patient for say through the impatience. but um with that note guys we, we will wrap it for today um th- again thank you for so much for calling uh coming in thomas where can people find you and what are you doing in this world at this moment
1: yeah man um if you guys are interested in some coaching um would love to help you uh you know i'm actually able to work with you in person, if that's something that you want, or if you want something that's a little bit more structured that you can do on your own, you can find out all about it at the professional Um, I want to give a shout out to the men of now community. This is a great community for you guys to be a part of, Um, just a bunch of men getting together to help each other elevate. There's some amazing coaches in there. um, and I'm not just speaking about myself, but if you guys want to know more about it and sign up, Go to menofnow.us, and um, I would love to see you guys in there.
0: Yes, absolutely, guys, and and just and and make sure you mention that Thomas sent you. um, Really important part there. You know, just mention how how you came to the channel. I would love to, you know, have we appreciate it, Thomas. And obviously you're a member of it now. Um, it's, it's community led. So we're all leaders in this group. Shout out to D'Angelo who hopped on the stream today. Um, he's a a member of the group as well. And I'm sure there's some other guys that that tuned in that are a part of it. Um, it's just great. You know, it's, you become like the five people you surround yourself with. And when you're surrounded with 25 guys that are all leveling up and working on themselves and all master daters, not masturbators, master daters, (laughs) you you become that as well um, just by osmosis and uh, absolutely guys. Yeah. So definitely hit up Thomas up for some coaching Um, as well. I do coaching as well on addiction recovery, specifically marijuana, but can help you with other addictions as well. Porn, alcohol, um, just food, caffeine, all of the above anything you're really dealing with. We can either help you find an Avenue that can be good for you or help you personally. And it's just, it's, I'm super grateful to be able to do this for a living it's i've seen great growth in people and a lot of them today are close friends so you know, you know you'll know, you never know what what can come from just doing the work and um and changing your life so you for that you guys can hit me up down below uh, if you're coming from thomas's channel uh you can hit me up on instagram shoot me a dm and we can schedule something so uh more than happy to to work with you and. Man, uh, keep, keep keep going on this topic forever, but in the in the spirit of the Midwest goodbye, which is if you guys don't know, it's where you say goodbye and you talk for 30 more minutes. Um, so we are we are gonna wrap it here once again. Check out the community. Check out Thomas. Thank you for tuning in. Check out Sobriety University, and we will gu- We will see you guys in the next one. Adios. Peace. Guys.